Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. They're always good jokes. Serious, serious. How's everybody doing? Good? Come on. Do we need to get up and do a jumping jack before we get going? Come on. Oh, almost losing that. Thank you. Come on. Hey, a couple things. One, Pastor Ed and his wife Jill are here. I'd like to give them a round of applause. This man is, uh, he had... He's been working on Sundays for, I don't know, 40 years now. His original job on Sundays was to be a pass blocker for the New York Giants, which would be a shame to talk about last year. But this year, baby, they're back. Come on, five and one. Are you kidding me? But then God grabbed a hold of his life, and uh, he's been a pastor for, how long have you pastored? You guys been in the 40 years? Oh, dear Lord. Okay, you look too, Jill looks too young to, be, to have you a pastor. Two years old. Two when you start. Perfect. Perfect. So they have just had an incredible impact on, on, in our cities. In, and this man, he's written a book on fatherhood. And uh, you get another one coming too, don't you? I got five. Okay, sorry. Okay, he's got five. I, I, got a, I got a long ways to go to catch up. But Ed, it is great to see you and Jill. Love having you guys here um, as part of this service this morning. Um, James, we're in this book that has just been, for me, has been great. I've really enjoyed teaching out of the book. You know, I, I thought it would uh, we'd be able to finish this by Christmas. Yeah, we'll see. We're working on it, though. We're heading that direction. So why don't you join me as we open up here um, this morning. We're in James 4, 1 through 6, and it says this. If you have your Bibles, you can look at that or you got them on the screen. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do, uh, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity to God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud or God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for this book. I thank you for the life of James. Holy Spirit, that you, you would illuminate to us this morning. That you'd speak to us this morning. God, that we would uh, truly have ears to hear and eyes to see. But Lord, that even as James talks about it, it wouldn't stop here. It would, it would continue as we leave this building. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Heal the brokenhearted. Lord, restore this morning. God, I, there's an expectation that you would move. Lord, we love you and we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been rolling through this, but here's what you have to understand. When the Bible was written, it wasn't written chapter and verse. So many times you get into a book and you go, next chapter or next verse, and you lose kind of the flow. And, and what, what I want you to know is that James has been building, 
And, and as he's been building, he, he's talking and, and he's continuing a thought here as we get into James 4. He's taken what we talked about last week. And if you remember last week, he talked about worldly wisdom. And he said human beings are responsible to identify, or this is what, what we say, what they want out of life and to make a plan to get it at all costs. That's, that's what we do with human nature. I want what I want. I'm going to get it at all costs. He even went so far as to say this, that, that the worldly wisdom that we're trying to obtain is unspiritual. It's even demonic. It brings disorder, and evil practices come forth from it. Envy and strife and anger and selfishness, all of these things flow out of worldly wisdom. And James is going, that's not what I've called you to. That's not what Jesus called you to. So here we pick it up now in verses 1 through 2. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights amongst you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel, and you do not have because you do not ask. Hey, this, this sentence here catches me. Your passions are at war within you. And I, I was sitting, I'm thinking, and I'm processing. What does that mean, my passions are at war within me? You know, it, it, it means this. If you're passionate about uh, uh, something that you love that isn't good, or you're passionate about something that you love that is good, there's this warring that goes on, and there's this unbalance that is happening inside your soul. There's a, literally a war that goes on. If you're struggling in uh, your relationships with your loved ones, with your wife or your husband, and, 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 and you allow something to come in there to take your mind away from her or him and on to someone else, but you know you're married to that person, you know they're your spouse, there's this war that is waging. I know it's right. I know what I can become passionate about because I'm not right with the Lord. Your passions are at war within you. What is at war? Worldly, worldly yearnings are, you know, everything from, we talked about last week, your, your, your house or your car, your, your, what you make, your money, your physique, your, your spouse. I mean, and I, I put that in there because it's, no, it, it, it's so important today. We're regularly playing. I, I can't tell you how many people young ladies especially, and, and men too, that deal with body dysmorphia, that deal with anorexia, that are looking at a stupid phone trying to compare it to something that isn't even real. And there's this, this war that goes on in the souls of people. And we think this, if only, fill in the blank, I would be happy. If only I could have that. If only I did this, then I would be happy. We lust and we covet and we become fighters. See, this tension that brings this war is we become fighters and we struggle back and forth. We fight because we want. The problem is many times we want the wrong things. And there's a cost to that. How do we stop the war is the question. It's, it's what I ask God. How do we stop that war, that tension inside of us? Whatever it might be, each one of us has our own battle that is going on. But how do we stop it? And the answer is proximity. I looked up the, the, the word proximity because my wife probably didn't think I knew what it meant. But I do. Uh, it's a nearness in space. 
time and relationship. Proximity. You know, proximity. I don't even see that word in the Bible, proximity. Not in this, the way it's spelled here, but it's in here, and I want to show you. Start with the natural and the spiritual. Often we, I like to start with the natural and the spiritual. In case you're new here, what does that mean? God takes the natural and the spiritual, they run parallel to one another. And it's so that we can see things. In other words, um, talking about a father, God the Father is, is it's good and gracious and kind and all these things. That's the spiritual side of who God is and when we encounter him. And the natural side, I am a father. And when I look at God the Father and see who he is and read of him and encounter him, I should be like him as a father. They run parallel. So when we're talking about uh, the natural and spiritual, and we're talking about proximity, uh, need not look any further than here. You see, when, when I am around her, I'm a different person. Let me clarify that. I'm not a totally different person when I'm not around you. When I am near, am I? Come on, come on, stay with me. <laughs> when I have proximity with my wife, there's a joy. There's a peace. There's a security. There's laughter. There's good things that happen when we're in this proximity. When I'm in proximity uh, with other people, I was going to point and give Eddie a bad time. No. When I'm outside of the proximity with my wife, when I lose that communion, so to speak, uh, I, 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 I got to get her on the phone. I got to text. I don't want to lose this proximity because there's something good here. And I know full well that the depravity of man left unto yourself, you're open to anything. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Only, only by the grace of God will I love this woman the rest of my life. Not because of me, but because of God's grace. I, I need to be in proximity because I want to love this woman the rest of my life. And when I'm in proximity, it, 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 these other things just kind of fall away. That's the natural and the spirit. The spiritual side of that is being in proximity with the Father. See, here's what we have. We have proximity with the world, lust, greed, you know, going after, got to have, need more, need more. Then we have proximity with God, intimacy, peace. And, and, and we, we got to see where do we fall in this? You know, what happens to too many Christians, too many people say, I'm a Christian, but you look and you talk to them and you see them and you go, they don't really have a proximity near God. It seems more like they're more concerned with houses, cars, money, and all of those type of things than they are about him. When we look at human nature, you got to see, you have God here and you have man here and, and, and the things of the worldly desires. Again, we talk about closing the gap. That gap is about going over to the side where God rests and where, you bring peace, where he brings peace. In proximity of the creator. What stops the war in our proximity to God? It's wanting him. It's wanting to know him. Finding our, that, that our soul is satisfied in his word and who he is. And it's trusting him. Though that, that, that's when I get in proximity of my father, those are the things that come forth. Some of you in here today are dealing with difficult things. Some of you in here today are dealing with tough relationships, are dealing with health, are dealing with financial, financial difficulties, a, a, a myriad of things that is going on. But here's the key. We talk about this often. 
Word, prayer, worship daily equals proximity. We've been talking about this for the last year, and it, is, it, is, it brings you right in the proximity of the Lord, the Word, knowing His ways. How can you not, how do you know the Lord if you don't know His ways, if you're not reading His Word, if you're not intimate with Him and His Word? Prayer brings great intimacy. It's communication. When I have communication with her in the many ways that we communicate, whether it be on the phone, whether it be through a text, whether it be through a smile, whether it be being together, when I am intimate with the Lord and I'm talking with the Lord and I'm allowing the Lord to minister and I'm asking questions, it brings this level of intimacy because I'm in his proximity. Worship is humility. Worship is me going, I'm not in control. Oh God, I raise my hands to you because you are worthy to be worshiped in this place. And then daily, daily speaks to a love, a true love relationship. Oh, I go to church once every what? Two weeks out of the month. You know, and we think we're giving something to God. Now, Therefore, there's no condemnation. I say it every time under Christ. I know soccer. I know, you know, things come up. I know, uh, you know, whatever it is. But, but it's the heart issue that I'm talking about where we go, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. But, but no one sees you in the proximity of Jesus. And they know that by how you respond, how you act. Verse three, he goes a little deeper and he says this. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This is a big one. This is a big one because there's this, it's just this vicious circle. I was with a guy that, that uh, I discipled this week and, and talking about that, and he, he was baffled. He's like, I keep asking God. I keep asking God. He said, well, let's, let's, ask, let's check your heart. What are you asking God? And it was actually, it was, it was a, a, a beautiful ask of the Lord, and the Lord wasn't answering. And, and I, I, he was frustrated. I said, just stay with me. Or actually, I told him to come this morning, and he didn't. So hopefully he's watching it on. on, on. So I, said, I want to explain it, because here, here's what we get into, this cycle of, oh, God, I need this. Now, usually it's something for myself, and I get this, God's not answering my prayers. God's not answering my prayers. I'm asking God, God, give me that job. Give me that money. Give me that relationship. Give me that whatever it is, and he's just not answering me. He must not be listening. He doesn't care. Is there really a God? You ever heard that? All of a sudden, you took this God who's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, and you put him in a little box. And you put him in your pocket and you said, be my bending Jesus. He's like, don't really work that way. See the heart of the issue? It's an issue of trust. I, I, and I, I, you know, I struggle with trust at times. The church struggles with trust. The heart of the issue is trusting that this word is true. Now, it's interesting, natural and spiritual. I have the utmost trust in this woman. You know why? Because proximity, I'm always here. She has the most, utmost trust in me. Is that a yes? Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, what's she going to say now? I'm looking straight at her. She's going to say no. <laughs> yes. There, there's, a, there's just a constant proximity. The heart of the issue for us as Christians is trusting that God has our best interest at hand. See, proximity equals trust. 
your proximity to the holy to, to a holy God, to Jesus, will determine the level of trust that you walk in. Why don't we ask God? Do you know why? What if he says no? Or he said no a million times. Why don't we ask? Many times we're afraid of what he's going to say. We don't trust God as God. See, the reality is this. He's the beginning and the end. He's the creator of all. He's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent. If that is who God is, who knows better, you or him? I, it, it, there's, there's, I mean, it's nowhere close. Who knows better of my life? It, natural and spiritual. When I had little kids, it drove me nuts how often they thought they knew better than their father. You know what I'm talking about. They thought they knew better than me. So what did I do? I told them the truth. You guys are clueless. You have no idea what you're talking about. Go to bed and be quiet. No, we didn't do that. But many of us, we're looking at the creator of heaven and earth. We're looking at the one who knows beginning to end, who's omniscient. We're going, you have no idea. God, you don't know my pain. God, you don't understand what's going on in my life. God, you don't understand the kids that I have and the responsibility that I have. God, you don't understand what I need financially. And the created is looking at the creator, telling him how this thing works. And then we get into this rhythm because we feel disappointed and we don't ask because we don't have proximity, because we have proximity issues. Because of your proximity issues, you don't trust him. We believe in God, but we don't trust him to provide for us. He either is our provider or he isn't. He, this word is either true or it's not. It just doesn't look like you and I think it should look because our proximity to the creator of heaven and earth is too far away to see what he's saying. And then we get mad at him. See, the issue is proximity. I want what I want, and I want it now. What did you used to say, Chris? You get what? You get what you get, and you don't have a fit. That was Chris's response. And that's to me, not my kids. I want what I want, and I want it now. God, I want what I want, and I want it now. God, I want what I want, and I want it now. And you go, I've never said that. Have you acted that out? Has the actions played forth? We ask God for what we want, and, and we are simply trying to manipulate him. How many times have you had those manipulative prayers? You know, God, if I just win the lotto, this is the one I love. We talk about it all the time. Uh, David and I talk about it in the office. If, I, if we just win the lotto, I'll give away half. Has anybody made that promise? So you probably, you know, and you're like, they don't, no one gives away half. No one, rarely do they give away 10%, let alone half. But man, we're, we're, we're in a pact, and if it happens, we're giving away half. God, if you would just take care of me, I'll take care of them. God goes, I've already got them covered. I don't need you. Too many times our prayers are really requests. 
They're an effort to make God serve our own selfish needs. This is what, what James is talking about in this worldly wisdom. You don't even know what you need, that you need to be in the proximity of the, the, the Lord so that you might know him intimately so that you will know what you need. We don't trust the Father. Instead, we're trying to plug God into our worldly approach to get what we want. Plug and play. Yeah, but this is the one I love. Yeah, but the Bible says, whatever you ask in his name, this I will do. You heard that one? Whatever you ask. Here's this, there are churches that preach this. Name it, claim it. That's a scary, scary theology because context is everything here. And, and usually when people say this, but, but, you know, the Bible says to ask, and whatever I ask in your name, you'll do. And they forget the second half of the verse that says this, that says this. Gosh, not on cue today. That says, thank you, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The, the, the give and take here is this. When you ask, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And some of you are thinking, well, I'll glorify the Father with half of the lottery. No, no, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. John 14, 13 is a proximity verse. It's a proximity verse. Let me, let me show you what I mean by that. It's this. When you read the word, know his ways. When you're intimate, when you pray, you're intimate with him. When you worship, you're, you're, you're humbly saying you are God. And you do this every day in a loving relationship. You will be in greater proximity to the Father. I can guarantee you that. When you're in greater proximity to the Father, you will know his heart. When you know his heart, your prayers change. Your prayers change. And when your prayers change, you know your in proximity has changed. Did, did you catch that? When your prayers go from, God, I need, I want, give it to me, and they go to, what do you have for me, God? You know this, your proximity has changed. You're walking close to the Father. The word is in you. You're intimate with the Father. Some of you want to stop getting frustrated. Some of you want to just go, I'm done with this. Get in proximity to the Father. Let him change you. Let him move in your heart. I want to show you. Proximity prayer sounds something like this. Matthew 26, 39. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my Father, if it is possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass before me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is Jesus praying to the Father. We see regularly, John 5, and, and throughout the scriptures, that, that he would slip away to be with the Father, just him and the Father, in proximity to the Father, never being apart from the Father. They're always connected except for one point on the cross. Other than that, always connected in the Father's proximity. And this is the prayer. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Let's contextualize this. Lord, I want to be in a relationship so bad. Nevertheless, not my will, your will. 
Lord, I, I don't know what to do about my housing. I don't know what to do. God, if I just do this, and if I get at this job, and I do all these things, and if I hit the lot with all those things, we say, God, no, your prayer is, God, I don't understand. Nevertheless, not as I will. God, why aren't you healing me? I've been sick for 20 years, and I've served you. I've loved you. I've tithed. I've come to church. Oh, God, what, what is going on? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see what's going on there? Proximity prayers are the foundation of prayers that trust the Father. Matthew 26, 39, not my will, but your will. What, then what happened? Mark 15, and they crucified him. They crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Jesus says, not my will, but your will. And they crucify him. But then comes Sunday. He's not here for he is risen. Look, the disciples couldn't see that. They thought this thing's over. Many of you can't see beyond this moment, beyond what you're going through, beyond the struggle, beyond the pain. Many of you can't see, and I'm so sorry. I, God's heart breaks. And very clearly, we know that Jesus felt what you're feeling. But not my will, the will of the Father. And then we see three days later that he is risen. And in this scripture, this scripture comes in so much more clearly. This is a life scripture. Everything just comes, comes to, not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will is trusting God with what's going on in your life right at this moment. And, but but the, here's the problem, what's going on in your life right at this moment. You can't always see. There's so much pain, there's so much struggle, there's so much difficulty that you can't see beyond what's right in your face. And I hang on to this verse in Ecclesiastes that says he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human's heart. And this, this is it. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That's, that's, that's a, a proximity prayer. God, would you heal me? God, would you deliver me? but not my will, your will. And as you go through it and you're going, God, did you not hear that prayer? Did you not listen to what I was saying? Did you not care? And you come back, not my will, but your will. And then you watch God's deliverance. You watch his goodness. And it may not have looked the way you thought it should look, but I don't go back to worldly wisdom. I don't go back to, oh, there's no God. I don't go back to all go back to, okay, God, from beginning to end, I can't see, but you can. And your word says you make everything beautiful in its time. So I trust your word and who you are because I trust you. Therefore, in the midst of my tears, in the midst of my sorrow, in the midst of the pain, I'm going to trust that from beginning to end, you will make everything beautiful in its time. You know the hard thing about that verse? For some of us, the culmination of beautiful in its time is death. 
Now, at the time when you when you when you have a relationship with God and and you, you pass, you're not gonna be going, ah, I can't believe I passed. You're gonna be, oh dear Jesus, thank you. See, I can't make any promises. I, I've tried the vending machine, Jesus. I've tried the Jesus in the bottle thing. Come on, Jesus. Give me aces. Come on, Jesus. But you know what I know that I know? That from beginning to end, he makes it beautiful. He makes it beautiful. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're dealing with. I know it's painful and I'm sorry. But I know this is true too. He makes it beautiful. Proximity equals trust. And trust is what allows me to go, okay, I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't like it, God. And that's a fine prayer. Let me just say right now, it's all right to pray that prayer. God, I don't like it. God, I don't like it. But not my will, your will be done. I'm gonna trust you. And, 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 And the only way we get there is if I hold on tight to this word and who he is. The only way you're delivered out of the fear, delivered out of the pain, delivered out of the anxiety, delivered out of the confusion, delivered out of all the crap from the world, the only way you're delivered is a proximity to the one who has the answers, Jesus. And beyond that, you're gonna look for the world and you're gonna grab worldly and you're gonna go, ah, this and grab and grasp and you'll never be satisfied. Proximity equals trust. Verse four says this, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Right in your face. James takes it to another level. He just dials it up to 11. Come on, that's a reference that you have to know if you're my age or not, 11. Okay, never mind. He dials it up to 11. Because we're unwilling to trust God in this way, he now calls us adulterers. He calls us adulterers, sleeping with the enemy. That's what he's saying. James is calling us out. He said, look, look, it's no different when we look at the spiritual and the natural. When you don't engage, when you don't get in the proximity of the one you call Lord and Savior, and you're out there and you're looking for worldly wisdom, and you're hanging on to worldly wisdom, and you're doing the worldly thing, but you claim over here that you know Jesus, and oh, I go to church twice a month, and I know Jesus, and it's all good, and when you come in here, you got the smile and everything looks good, but when you come back over here, you're cursing him. He says, it's the same as in the natural. If I was to take this woman that I'm married to in the proximity, go out and sleep with another woman. I mean, it's like, boom, in our face. Adultery. He he uses the comparison. That's pretty, pretty heavy. See, the world and God, anyone who continues to be a friend with the world is living as God's enemy. He, let me clarify, because I want to make sure what, what James is not saying. He's not saying that you shouldn't be friends with non-Christians. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about here. You need to be in proximity of God so that when you're with your non-Christian friends, you don't become more like them. They become more like you. 
He's not saying that Christians should never engage in their culture. That's not what he's saying. We need to engage in the culture and the people that we meet. What James is saying is this. Christians who choose to continue to live according to wisdom of the word are not living as friends of God. If you live in the worldly wisdom or you're seeking and going after worldly wisdom, you're not living in the proximity of God. You're living as an adulterer or God's enemy. I think I, I, did, I had trouble processing this as God, the creator of heaven and earth, looking at me and going, you adulterer. You, I mean, when we look in the natural, I mean, that's weighty. It's heavy. It's heavy. If, if you've ever dealt with or been a part of or helped, tried to help a, a relationship where adultery came, there's so much pain and so many wounds. And, 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 and the wounds on the one who was betrayed and, and, and was cheated on, just the pain. And I don't understand how it all works I, other than I know the heart of God is broken when I choose that. That, that when there's relationship, when there's proximity to God, you feel the weight of your sin. When you have no proximity to God, you kind of are able to slip through it and not feel the weight of it. You know what I'm talking about? But God literally says you're an adulterer. Can't be more clear than that. Verse five, he says this, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit and he is made to dwell in us? God is jealous for our proximity. As simple as I can put it, God is jealous for our proximity. In the same way, I, I'm jealous for time with her in the natural. You spend too much time, she'd say to me, too much time with other people. What about me? I'm jealous for our time. I'm jealous for our time. And in the spiritual, God is jealous for our time. He's jealous for our proximity that we'd be intimate with him, that we'd be near him. Verse six, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. This, this is a hope verse, if you can see. If you can't see, this is not a good verse. We talked about it. You know what it means to oppose the proud. I used the illustration last week. I use it again. When my kids were young, I could put my hand on their head and they'd swing and the, you know, it would never hit me and just, just kind of like that, you know, walking around. They're trying as hard as they can. I used to be able to take all my boys. I, I don't think I'd take any of them anymore. It's kind of a bummer. But when they're really young, I could oppose them without just ease. In ease, I could oppose them. And that's what that scripture is saying, that you're sitting, you're flailing, and God's just like, I will literally oppose your proud spirit. You know why? Because your proud spirit says you know greater than the one who created everything. Your proud spirit is why you sin. Your proud spirit, God hates the pride, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Pride or grace? Pride attempting to be the God of our own lives. Pride is this. When you sin, this is pride. I know better than you do, God. Therefore, I'm gonna choose this act because I am God and I am omniscient and I know much more than you know. Pride. God will lovingly, jealously oppose us when we choose pride, but he will not reject us in Christ. It's grace. Even if we've been living this way, 
We have not outrun God's grace. The point of God's grace is this, that it's just flowing, that it's never ending, and I screw up, and I make a bad decision, and I'm an idiot or whatever I am. God's grace is there for me. The beauty of God's grace that washes over me is that I can have eternal life, that I can walk outside this building today, and I can be free. No condemnation, no guilt. I can walk in freedom with my head high, knowing that Christ died for my sins. I have a relationship with the Father because of Jesus Christ, and I can walk in the proximity of the one that I love. James gives us hope, humility, repentance, choice, daily. We have hope, but it starts with humility. It starts with humility. I'm not good at being God in my life. I am not good. You go, oh, that sounds a little dramatic. Look, you may not recognize, but as I said, every time you choose to disobey this word, you're taking the stance that I am God, I understand. I'm just not good at it. I'm broken, I'm fallible, I'm finite. Don't say it, anyone say, you're an idiot. And I can be, I absolutely can be. And I have to sit before the maker and go, I am not God. If you wanna see a change in your circumstances today, start right here. I'm done trying to be God. I quit trying to be God in my life. You have something that hasn't been answered that you've been asking and asking and asking and you're mad because God didn't answer or he didn't do what you thought he should do or didn't answer the way you want it. You start right here and go, oh God, I, I know nothing. I'm a created, fallible human being. Have mercy on me. And repent. Repent. Oh God, forgive me. Because it says in 1 John 1, 19, if we confess our sins, he is faithful for, to forgive. Easy for me to say. He is faithful to forgive. Repent. I'm asking you. I'm speaking. About, it's, we have to repent to get, get to this place in rightness with God. It's natural and the spiritual. When I've been a jerk, when I've been an idiot, the way I restore it with this woman is I repent and acknowledge what I do. I take responsibility. I'm not good at that. Many times, she takes responsibility for something that had nothing to do with her to get the thing flowing. Repentance, just it, it restores your relationship with the Lord. When I'm in my sin, I don't want to be in proximity to God. When I'm, when I'm in the middle of this stuff, I don't want to be in his proximity because the conviction the Holy Spirit won't allow me to sit there. But if I repent, he's faithful to forgive. It's so good. It's so good. Then I have to make choices. See, but the, 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 the beauty is that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And as I often say, and the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in me can direct and guide me if I stay within that proximity. And, and Joshua 24, 15, you know, when we talk about choose this day whom you will serve, choose this day, each and every day, choose whom you're going to serve today. And when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to have to choose who I'm going to serve because my natural tendency is to serve me. Choose who you're going to serve this day, each and every day. 
And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, when? Daily. And follow me. Each and every day. See, if I want to be in proximity to this woman, I live in the same house with her. I sleep in the same bed with her. I come to her every night. I come to her, well, that way too. But I come home every, I, come on, people. Don't get all prudish on me now. It's biblical. Um, I, I come home and I, I, I'm in proximity with her each and every day. And when we spend time apart, when, when I'm off traveling or she's off traveling somewhere and, and, and we're, we're not, we find ways to be in the same proximity by getting on the phone or FaceTiming or whatever it might be. And it's the same principle with God. Each day, I've got to make sure I'm in his house. And I'm not talking about these four walls. I'm talking about his presence. I'm in his proximity by intimately praying and talking and speaking with him. I'm intimately in in this relationship with him. One of my heroes in this church, Mark Blair, this man and all that you've gone through and the intimacy that you have with God through this difficult time. And I don't think you, maybe you have, I don't remember ever hearing you say, blaming God or getting mad at God, or I'm I'm blown away because at least for a second, I would be that guy. And there's an intimacy that you have. And there's a relationship that you have with Jesus. It's in your proximity. Because in the midst of, of everything that you've gone through, you, you chose to be in the proximity of the Father. It doesn't always look the way we think it should look. But God is faithful and he's good. And, and I, I look at you, Mark, and, and you're, you're one of my heroes. One of my heroes in the faith. See, because proximity brings hope. It brings hope. Proximity to God through Jesus brings hope. I have hope. Some of you may not feel like you have hope this morning. You want to know how you get hope? Proximity. Just step into the presence of the creator of heaven and earth. Step into the presence and, and just let his grace flow. Step into his presence and, and allow him to minister to you in the midst of the most horrendous times that you may or may not be going through. Step into his presence and let him feed you. And all the world has to say, and all the psychology and all the, the pundits and everything they say, I, and I appreciate it. God has given some men and women great wisdom, but, but there's nothing like being in the proximity of the Holy Spirit and experiencing who he is. We experienced it three weeks ago when we baptized Marilyn. I'm telling you, we talk about it. She goes in the water and comes, I've baptized hundreds of people and comes out and, and the spirit of God was just powerful, was palatable. And even now it makes me cry. And the proximity, proximity of Jesus. What does James want us to hear? What, 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 does, he, what does he want us to hear as he's writing this? God is calling us back to a peaceful, faithful, path of trusting him and it happens when we come within his proximity 
when we're near him. That's what James is saying. That's what he's saying. That's what he's calling us to. Stop with the worldly wisdom. Step into the proximity of Jesus and, and, and just receive what he might say to you. Word, prayer, worship daily brings you into the proximity of the Father. That's what God has called us to. As the band comes up now, I want to pray. I, I want to, as we stay in this attitude of worship, um, it's the time we receive communion. And, and we receive communion um, every week. Okay, I got a cup. Um, why? Because the Bible says, when you come together, it said, do this in remembrance of me. The Bible's pretty clear. And I love after preaching and speaking and, and, and allowing God to just kind of deal with my own heart, I love taking the time to go, okay, let's reset this thing. See, that, that's what the beauty of communion. It says this, and before you receive it, I, let me read these words, and then I want you to meditate a little bit. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And, and he, he took this bread, and he broke it. He said, remember me. You, you know what he, how I'd interpret it? What I, you could say, that. he says, come into my proximity. Come into my presence. And as you receive the bread, before you receive it, just take a moment and pray. Examine your heart. God, I want to walk in, in, in the proximity of who you are. And remember what Jesus did for you. And remember what Jesus said. God, not my will, but your will. And, and, and whatever you're wrestling with, lay it at the cross. And as you lay it at the cross, just say, God, not my will, but your will. Oh, God, your will be done. And then receive bread. It says on the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this is the cup the new covenant is my blood he said do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me and before you receive this take all that stuff and just put it at the foot of the cross whatever it is that's weighing you down whatever it is that you haven't repented for whatever it is that just just in your mind, just put it at the foot of the cross and allow the blood of Jesus just to wash over. Let it just wash over and refresh. And they took the wine and they drank. God, I thank you that you're faithful, faithful to forgive. God, that from beginning to end, I can't see anything, but God, you see. God, you said in your word that you will make all things beautiful in its time. Lord, I pray for anyone today that's not in the middle of beauty, 
but in the middle of ashes. It's in the middle of, of difficulty. It's in the middle of hardship. And God, I pray that you'd bring peace. God, that, that, that your will would be done in their lives. That we would trust you. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross some 2,000 years ago that I might have life. If you don't know Jesus today, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. It says this, if you don't know him, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him to the dead, it says you will be saved. If you want to know Jesus today, just hand it over to him. Give him your life. And put your trust in him as the creator of heaven and earth. God, I thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and who you are. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plans, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message.